I want you to open your Bible with me this morning for just a few minutes. We've been in a series that we started at the first of the year that I really believe is of the Lord. And I believe that we've got a mandate and a call to touch and impact our city and the world of which we live. And I believe there's nothing greater on the planet than the church. I don't believe there's a greater force upon the planet other than the church. You know, when Jesus come, and please don't anybody be offended at me this morning. He didn't come to overthrow the rulers of the land. The first thing that he came to do was to establish his church, his kingdom. And I believe if we could ever fully understand who we are, what we have, and what our real responsibility is, I believe our communities could change. Over the last couple of months, I've listened to different ones in different spectrums, and, and everybody's blaming this one, and everybody's blaming that one because of where our nation is. And I don't know why it's there. I do know one thing I know. It's evil, right? There's a lot of evil in the land. And there's a lot of wickedness. I've got a real revelation for you. And please catch this. Sinners do what sinners do. Don't expect them to be righteous when their hearts are set to do evil. Don't expect a wicked man to embrace righteousness when it's not in him to do it. The reality of it, it's not in any of us in this room. We're only righteous by God Himself. And so we're fighting against something and God gave us an answer and that's Jesus. Are you all with me today? I hope you are. How many believe there was an old song that sung years ago? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him there's no other. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the answer above the world today. And I don't know the rest of the song, so I'll just end it right there. But I believe Jesus is still the answer, don't you? He's the answer to your problem. He's the answer to everything that we have need of. If you're in this place today and your life is in a shambles and a mess, I want to tell you Jesus is your answer. Believe it or not, it's that simple. He is your answer. I like what Steve said. I've been meditating over the word that Brother Steve brought to the church. He didn't say accept Christ. He said follow Him. And many times we're just wanting people to accept Him and keep embracing where they are instead of following Jesus and casting all of our care upon Him for He cares for us. So let's talk about that church. Yesterday morning when I was in prayer, just like the Lord here yesterday morning, I, I, I got here a little bit before the prayer group did, and, and uh, just God just began to speak to me about if we don't understand how things work, we may not know how to move or how to see the, the glory of God. And God is a God of order. Now, I know we Pentecostals don't believe that because we're free-spirited. We think that any time we have order, God's not in the room. That's not true. There's order in this place or you'd be floating throughout the, throughout the galaxy. 
Because God said order. And that's not my message today, but I, I just want you to see something. Maybe I could say it better like this. Maybe it's understanding God's kingdom and his systems. So in the book of Matthew chapter 4, just follow with me. We're going to just look at some verses. Not going to spend a lot of time. He said in chapter 4, Jesus has come on the scene. He's just been baptized. Come, come up out of the river. The dove has descended upon him. And this is what the word said in verse 17. Why, not, why don't you just read that with me? From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now Jesus came with the message. And a message of repentance. And of the kingdom of heaven. Now most of us only think about repentance from, from the aspect that I'm a, I'm just a deep down, low good, no good sinner, and I need to confess before God all of my sins. Well, He already knows all your sins. And I do believe that there is a place that we acknowledge that. But there's a definition. If you would ask the Hebrews, I, I was, I, I visit some sites where I, I want to know how the Eastern mindset thinks about things versus how we in our Western mindset. I was listening to a rabbi recently about the kingdom and he said something like this. When God came forward, matter of fact, this was Jonathan Kahn. He said, when Jesus was preaching repentance, he was saying, I want you to embrace the new it's a different mindset I want you to embrace the new something new was upon the land and it is the kingdom of heaven that Jesus began to enforce so what is a kingdom I don't have time to go real deep into all this stuff but I'm just going to highlight some things if you look in your dictionary, a kingdom, which just simply means this, a country or a territory ruled by a king. So if he's preaching kingdom into the earth, then what Jesus is saying, I want to rule the earth. That's why the prayer in the book of Matthew says this, when you pray, pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth. So Jesus wants to rule the earth. Jesus, he owns it all. He owns it all. It all belongs to him. But he wants to be the ruler of everything in the earth. Now you got to understand what all that's meaning. Again, it's deep. Here, let me give you another definition of what a kingdom is. So it's the rule and reign of God in the earth and in my life. It's the rule and reign of God. It's His desire of life that He has saying for His citizens that are of His kingdom, this is my life for you. Well, what does that really mean? Well, let's go to verse 23 of the same chapter. And the Bible said, And Jesus went about all Galilee. Let's just say it known at that time. He went about all Galilee. So let's just say it like this. He wants this for everybody. There's not one more exclusive than the other. There's not one group better than the other. This is the will of God for everybody in this room to live the life that He intended for us to live. So let's look at what that life is. 
He went into Galilee, all over it, teaching in their synagogue. Isn't it interesting that he had to teach them or he taught them before anything, any miracle was ever done? Because the synagogue was the place of worship, it was the place of receiving instruction, and it was the place of community. So what a better place it was than to come to where they would come to learn of the ways of God. So he steps in and he begins to teach them about his kingdom. Look at what he began to do. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. Now, let's go deeper than where we've ever been. Because most of us want healing instead of health. Most of us want a miracle instead of walking in the place I create miracles. But if Jesus healed us, he didn't heal you to go back into sickness. Matter of fact, the Bible said he came. Now he's demonstrating what he intends for his kingdom people. What he intends for the earth. No sickness. No pain, no cancer, no AIDS, no migraines, no joint pain, no Arthur. You know who I'm talking about. Most of us in the room deal with him. No high blood pressure, no low blood pressure, no sugar. He wanted it well. So he didn't heal me just to say, oh, I got a healing. He healed me so I could be well, that is what he originally intended, that sickness would never, ever touch us. He healed all kinds. I, I love this passage of Scripture where he said in the, next, in the next part of it, he healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. The word sickness, if you really wanted the definitions, if you look it up, it means disability. What's a disability? Anything that's not allowing you to live in the ability of which God created intended for you to live. So there's all kinds of sick people. There's people here sick in your finances. There's people here sick in your relationships. There's people here sick in your marriage. You're sick in your emotions. You're sick in many different ways. It's not allowing you to live the way God intended for you all to live. And the word disability there means, it just simply means you don't have any vigor of living. No vigor of life. No, no thrust. No drive. Nothing that's pressing you on. Jesus came and he healed all kinds of sickness and disease. Now let's finish reading because he's going to show us where all this comes from. And he said, Then his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted of various diseases and torments. And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics. And, and he healed all of them. Those who were oppressed of the devil. Now he shows us something. Where did all of that come from? Come from the enemy. Come from the devil. See, we still got church folk been in church. Well, God put this on me. No, he didn't. 
God's allowing me to walk through this because He's trying to teach me something. No, He didn't. Sickness, let's deal with it where it is. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, everything is the invention of Satan himself. Well, pastor, why am I dealing with it then? Why am I dealing with it then? I don't know why, but I'm going to try to help us get out of it. Because I know that Jesus can see us through. I I wish y'all would smile at somebody this morning because y'all really looking sad today. Maybe it's the cold weather outside. I, I, I don't know. But he went about and healed. And the moment he did that, look at what happened in verse 25. Great multitudes followed him. Look at the next part. And they came from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Samaria. You know, when we start embracing the true life of the kingdom, people are going to press into this place to get into it. I know it's a crazy illustration. If I, if I was giving away $100 bills in this place, if I was giving away a $100 bill, say, if you want this, come get it. I know some of you wouldn't move, but you'd want it. But there'd be some run to get that $100 bill. Why? Because you believe in the significance of that $100 bill. If I just had that, my life would be totally better. We kind of do God the same way, or we really don't do God the same way. God tells us what He he has for us, and then we just kind of come in and sit, and we learn to embrace what we have, and we want to blame everything under the sun except really where it came from, and even the whole idea, God, you're my answer to this. I know I'm there. I'm there just like you are. I go through battle just like you do. I'm still burying people, still doing funerals. And people that I loved and cared for. And every time somebody dies young, somebody that should have died way before their time, it challenges my heart. God, what's going on here? I'll be honest. I don't have an answer, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I do, but I do believe this Bible, and I believe whether I understand it or not, I believe it's true. And the one place and the one thing that i got to stand on when everything else is going around me and everything is going under, I've got to take my stand upon the Word of God and just say, God, I dare to believe you. Hello? So Jesus... Healed all the sickness and disease. I want to prove something to you this morning. You ought to be marking these scriptures. Luke chapter 4, 18. The words of Jesus. He goes into the temple. He picks up the scroll. And he starts reading where it was prophesied by Isaiah about him. And he says something like this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What is the gospel? It's good news. Now he's still preaching a kingdom message. So this is what he's saying about his kingdom. If you're poor, you don't have to be in his kingdom. Because there's provision in the kingdom. There's more than enough in the kingdom. There should not be a place that we have no hope if we are people of the kingdom. 
Jesus said, I've been anointed to deal with that. He said, the Spirit of the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You know, if you're in this womb, in this room, and I know many of us, you're not going to be in life and not get wounded and hurt. And many of you, many no doubt have, have, have embraced some form of maybe abuse, rejection, some kind of hurt of some kind, and we all get it, but I don't have to stay there. I don't have to live in that the rest of my life. I can let that go. How do I let it go? There's only one way to do. Father, I cast this thing upon you because I can't deal with it. I cast my care upon the Lord. He said, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captive. If you're bound by something today, I want to tell you that's not God's kingdom. And that's not what God has for you. In His kingdom is freedom. We don't have to be bound by everything under the sun that has gripped us. He said He sent us to proclaim liberty to the captive, the recovery of sight to the blind. Helen Keller said it like this when she was asked, what could be greater than being blind? And she said, having eyes to see, but you can't see. Having no hope. I, I, I want to tell you, how many have ever heard this verse out of Jeremiah 29, 11? It's a great verse. God said, I know my thoughts towards you. Thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a hope and a future. You want to know where that was written at? In the moment when Israel is in captivity. And they can't see their way out. Been there for 70 years and don't see a way out of it. And God turns around and He said, I know how you're thinking. You're thinking this is never going to end. Or there's no way out of this. But He said, I know my thoughts toward you. Thoughts of good. Matter of fact, the Bible says, many are the thoughts of the Lord's toward me. I believe God's thinking about me all the time. And he's thinking about you all the time. And not how to punish you. I believe he's thinking about how much he loves you. How Oh, my grandkids are in the room, or some of them anyway. Dinah will tell you this. We'll be going in the car. We're in the car driving along. And I say, I wonder what Sadie girl's doing. I wonder what Nora and Lucy's doing. I wonder what sweet boy, that's Maverick to me. I wonder where sweet boy is. I wonder what he's doing. Oh, I'd like to see sweet boy. So when he comes into the house, hi, Papa. We walked in. Oh, JC, I still love seeing her. She's grown. But Stacy will tell your mom, Sam's sick this morning, so they're home. But Stacy will tell you, I'll ask every time I call, how's the kids doing? Why? Because my mind is always, I'm always, my thoughts are geared towards my kids, my wife, my family. When I travel in and out of the country from time to time, it's been a long time. Diane said, now you don't have to call me every day. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Why? Because I'm thinking about them. And that's how God is towards us. He said, I come to give, uh, to heal the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. Listen, friend, I know the devil works overtime, but you don't have to stay there. You don't have to live in oppression and depression. That's not the will of God. 
I'm wanting you to see the life of the kingdom. I know you know this, but if you don't know why we do what we do, we'll never see this life invested into the earth because there's a way of getting it out there. The last thing that he said was to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That means no more slavery to any of us because he has set us free. This is his will for all of mankind here and now. That's the kingdom. That was the message. Okay. Well, pastor, if that's the message, then why aren't we seeing it more? I'm glad you asked. Because that's what the church is for. So Jesus comes preaching a gospel of the kingdom. But in Matthew chapter 16, this is what the Bible said. He come to build the church. As Peter, as Peter and the disciples were walking with him through the, through the uh, gateway of, of Philippi, Caesarea, and all the idols and all the gods that were there, even a place called the gates of hell in a cave was a pit so deep that they could not find bottom. It was called the gates of hell. And Jesus spoke to Peter as he asked, Who do men say that I am? He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath, hath not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has. And upon this rock, I believe he was talking about a revelation. Upon this unmovable Revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevent it from fulfilling what it was called to do. So what is the church all about? He used the church to enforce and implement his life into our lives and into our communities. We're not just to be a church building set on a corner that we go through motions. Now we're, we're God's instrument. We're God's tool. It is also called definition of his church is called the called out ones called out for a purpose. It also has a definition called the ecclesia, God's government in the earth. What is our, what is our priority? To enforce the life of the kingdom, the life of Jesus into our community and into the world of which we live. The reality is most just go to church and never become the church. We take claim to a lot of things and we go through a lot of motions. That's why I'm challenged. I'll be honest. I'm challenged because, God, I want this house to be more. Our cities ought to be different. Isn't it interesting? Our churches are bigger and grander than they've ever been before. But why are we dealing with more hell than we've ever dealt with? We, the church, rally together. We'll do a few things together. And yet, boy, we feel good in our meetings. But once we leave here, it seems like we leave everything in here instead of walking out and enforcing everything into the realm of which we live. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said to Peter, He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. This was His command to the church that He was building. I'm giving you that authority. We pray. We shout. We jump. We run. We worship. We do all kinds of things. 
But yet there's very little happening. Maybe it's because we're really not seeing who we really are and what we're supposed to be doing. Because it really starts with me and it starts in my home. And it goes from my home into every place that I put the sole of my foot on. Isn't it interesting? The words that God gave to Joshua, he said, hey boy, and to Moses, every place the sole of your foot treads upon is yours. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon, it's yours. So when you go to Walmart this afternoon, when you're walking around, God said, it's yours. The kingdom is yours. When you go to the restaurant this afternoon, if you're going to, remember, we are fasting, and, and I know some of us, you know, we're doing it different ways. That's cool. But wherever you're going, remember, God said, that's yours. I'm giving you authority in that place. He then gave them a commission. Matthew 28, 19. He said, go therefore and make disciples. Oh, there's that word come up again. Make disciples, which really means simply this. Make followers. Make followers, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I command you. Here again, the church isn't loosey-goosey. The church has to have a standard to live by. The church has to have something that depicts it from everything else. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about putting a suit on. I'm not talking about taking one off. I'm talking about how we conduct our lives every day in, in the world among those that don't know Him and even in the, in the church house among those that we do know. There is an order. There's a way to live. God gave us a command to go and teach them to observe. There's an old saying, monkey see, monkey do. And maybe there's a lot of monkey got out in the world because there's a lot of monkey still in the church. And they're only mimicking us to great degrees. Mom and dad, you don't think your children are paying attention to you. But even though he may be one, two, three years old sitting in the floor playing with whatever he's playing and they're listening to every word you say and they're watching everything that you do. When I do premarital counseling with young, young, young individuals, most of the time the first question I ask them, tell me about your home life. Because usually what we know about marriage and relationship is how we watched our parents do it. So if our parents were fighting all the time and screaming and hollering, oh, that must be what love is. So I'll just slap him real good because she loved me. And he doesn't know any better. Or if they see us being rude, they're doing the very same thing because they're mimicking our lives. Now once there's a place when they get older, they're on their own, but... But you have to understand, we are molding everything, even new believers. Kind of brings me back, I don't know why this thought comes to me. Years ago, growing up, in our home church, in our home church was, was like this, Pentecostal people, they, they can be the worst. I'm serious. I know it happened at other denominations, but we were Pentecostal. 
If we didn't like something, we just spoke it out. We didn't like what somebody was doing, spoke it out. And I remember this young lady, which was a real good close friend of Diane's, and she married a young man that didn't know anything about the church. He didn't grow up that way. But he came to church, he got saved. I don't remember if he got spirit-filled, but I know he got saved, and he started coming to the church faithfully with her. And we would go out together once in a while, have dinner or something like that. And I remember us being out, and I know that he hadn't been born again, but about six months. He's still a new babe. Really, he's still young in the Lord. He hadn't experienced everything I had, we had over our lifetime. And he started talking like everybody else in the church. I thought, dude, what is up with this? And he's young in the Lord. Why? He's only, they're only mimicking what they're seeing us as the church do. So he gives the church to, to enforce his kingdom life in the earth. But how can the church function? Has to function like a body. He gave it a command in the book of, in the book of Ephesians 1, verse 22, 23, he says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now we have a greater responsibility because they had to work and move through the earth as a body, as a many-membered living organism. It's hard being a body. It's one of the most challenging things. To be a body because it's so filled with so many gifts and so many talents, as talents and so many wonderful parts. And, and even though this is his body, think about this his body has many members, but we all don't have the same function. But somehow we have to take the different functions, we have to have connection so that we can be one body. If you'll read through Paul's writings to the church, the number one thing Paul dealt with was schisms and divisions among the body. Everybody's got an answer. Everybody's got the way. Everybody's got the truth. That's why Jesus said, I gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry until we come into the fullness of him. Till we come into that one man, that one body. Matter of fact, Paul said something like this in Ephesians 4. He said, endeavoring to keep the spirit of unity. It's a challenge. But he had a kingdom that he wants to manifest. Gave a church to enforce it. But the church has to function properly as a body to get it done. In order to move, I really believe this. I've shouted it with my ministries, uh, leaders that I gather with around the region. I said, guys, I really true, and I truly believe this. The things that happened in 2020 should have never got its foot in the door, especially the church. But we, the church, couldn't keep ourselves together enough to pray and exercise the authority to get that thing out. And it showed its cracks and it showed us where we are. 
City after cities are going down. And I, I truly believe the answer to every city, to Cape Girardeau, to the surrounding reason, region, is the body of Christ. If we could ever function together, it's the hardest thing under the sun. It's the hardest thing even to do it as a church because everybody in this room's got an opinion. I know you do. Look how you dress today. You didn't dress like me. I saw somebody come in without a coat. I thought, you, you crazy? You know how cold it is? It's cold. And some of you got more clothes on. I don't know how you're sitting in here because I'm hot. But it's very difficult. And here's the last thing. He had a kingdom that he wants to manifest. He's using a church to enforce it that has to function as a body. Remember, he didn't send them out two, two by two for no reason. To use a body, but then that body has to act like a family. We have to live like a family. We are truly better together. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household or of the family of God. What does a family do? It's here. Where there's love, there's care, protection, there's provision, there's instruction, there's relationship and intimacy, which continuously brings increase to the body of Christ. Think about this. God only needed two to try to fill the whole world. He took a man and he took a woman, put them in a place as a family, called their name Adam. Called their name, Adam. Called, I'm making that a point. Called their name, Adam. Didn't have 14 names, had one name. Gave them a name, Adam. And Adam spoke and said, Now this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue and fill all the earth. Just took two to be a family. It's through that place of intimacy that we come. We've been given a name to stand under. Believe it or not, there's not Baptist, there's not Methodist, there's not Jew, there's not Greek, there's not Catholic. There's only one name that's been given. And that name is to rest upon every one of us. The Word said, I've given you a name that is above all others. Think about this picture with me. A few weeks ago, and I'm going to land this jet as they come. Thank you. A few weeks ago when it was Christmas, we were all around Christmas trees. I took my family out there. Or they were out there and they come and got me. Let's take a picture. Now, everybody knows, or most people should know, I got two boys and a daughter. All three of them are married. Two Strongs and a Detweiler. But when we got into the picture, Detweiler no longer existed for a moment. Because that's the Strongs. And I want you to think about that for a moment. That's the Strongs. Because we're a family. Now, if I go, or, or if JC or Stacy went to the Detweiler clan and they stand before a Christmas tree 
And there's Stacy. Now, even though she's just wrong, this is the Detweiler family. We have been given a name that is above every name. That name is Jesus. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. God's not afraid of us using His name. Matter of fact, not only do I have that name, but we are born into this family by the Spirit of God. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's always with us. He's always there to empower us, to help us live out everything He intended for us to do. I'm determined. I want to see my community changed. I don't think it's going to be changed by just giving people food. That's a good thing, but that's not going to change them. I happened to watch something yesterday. I was go- there was one of the pantries. If you're there, please don't anybody be offended. And I watched the line of cars get into that line. And all morning long yesterday, they were putting food in the back of cars. Only to come next week. And that same line of cars are going to come back around. And there will be food there. It's a need. We're to meet that need. I don't think necessarily I'm going to change my world by giving somebody a coat. Although that's very important in weather like this. If they don't have one, to give them a coat. And if I do do it, the only thing that I'm really... I'm demonstrating the love of God to a world that's hurting. But the thing that's going to change the world is going to be by the church pressing the kingdom, but pressing Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I know I've got people here, and I thank God for you. In the political realm, I don't care who goes to the White House. They may change things temporarily, but if we don't change the heart of men. I, I, a few months ago or all last year, I was getting real involved in some of those areas. And matter of fact, I even signed up to go into politics. I really did. I thought I'm going to be mayor of this city and fix the roads. Sorry, mayor, if you're watching. Just kidding there. I wasn't ever thinking that. But I thought, where could I serve? Matter of fact, I had several people ask me, why don't you get involved? Why don't you run for an office? I really prayed about it. And I felt like the Lord said, no. That's not your place. But I'm thankful for people in the room, like Dr. Dave back there, that goes to the to the health department every month for their board meeting. And Miss Norma, I'm thankful for people that are watching the horizon and they're out looking at things and they're making things known to us that we, we wouldn't have known. Thankful for people like Adrian. She had a flat this morning, couldn't get in here. And and I'm thankful for her that she's championed for our children at the at the library. But I thought, God, that's even though I know that's good, you didn't call me there. But what I felt like my place was, was to be a prophet or to be a voice, to be a warrior of prayer for those that are in offices and position, and to encourage the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. 
That's my number one assignment. That's my number one because I truly believe that until we change the hearts of men, we'll never change our world. And Jesus gave us the command. So church, as we go into this year, let's be the church. Let's live the life of the church. Let's expect kingdom life everywhere we go. Don't be satisfied. Don't be settled. Man, if God said, I can have it, I want it. Even the church gives the people that are blessed a rough time. We give people that are... If God wants to bless, let them be blessed. Whatever that looks like. I know, well, Pastor, you don't have to have that to bless. No, you don't. But I tell you, it sure doesn't hurt to have it. Because I'd hate to be riding around in a buggy and a horse today. Let's be the church. There's an action to it. There's work to be done. We're in this thing together. And I'm challenging this body. I'm challenging this body to stand together in this time. Move together. Let's accomplish something for the kingdom. Greater than we've ever, ever done before. I'm asking you and I'm imploring you upon the Word of God and knowing how the kingdom operates and how it functions. I don't know everything. I'm going to be honest. I don't know it all. I'm not trying to know it all. I am trying to follow God. And I want to see our city and region come to know Jesus. And every place the sole of our foot will tread, It can be ours or His. We'll enforce kingdom life. Stand with me this morning. I'm declaring to you who, to different ones in this room, I know some of your life is a sample. I know that your life is messed up. I know things are going on. What I am asking you to do Just be a follower of Jesus. It's okay to come to Him and say, God, I cannot handle this no more. And cast all of your care upon Him. Father, I put Your Word out this morning just like You gave it to me to give yesterday morning. In my time while I was here with You. And I pray, Father God, today that that You would grant to this house the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of You, that the eyes of our understanding are open, that we know the hope of Your calling, and that we will know, God, the the riches of Your glory that dwells within us. I pray, Father God, that we are kingdom enforcers, that we will truly be a church, God, that is impacting the lives of people of everywhere we go and the people that we come in contact, starting in our homes, starting in our own lives and in our families, and then on and on and on. God, I decree that. I declare that over this house today. I speak blessing over it in the name of Jesus. Lift your paws to the Lord, would you?
I bless you to walk in the fullness of God and everything that He's intended for you to walk in. I bless you to be full of peace and joy. I bless you to never be in want and never be in lack. I bless you to live healthy and whole and vibrant so that everybody that looks at you and watches you will ask you, what is that that makes you guys so happy? I declare that over you now. In the name of Jesus, I give you praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone.